Welcome to the Thriving Birth Worker Podcast, a space for conversations about how you, the birth worker, can create not only a fulfilling and sustainable career, but a joyful and thriving life. I'm Erin Underwood, an educator, movement specialist, mother of four boys, and a total anatomy nerd. My passion is to see birth workers encouraged, supported, and empowered in their careers and life. Well, hello, Thriving Birth Workers. Today, I'm excited to get pretty vulnerable with you about my own story with functional movement. I wanted to share with you how I started out as an athlete, became a couch potato for the sake of motherhood, and then transitioned into finding my balance and rhythm. When I share that I'm a functional movement specialist, I get a lot of questions. It's not your average title. I get that if I were to say that I was a personal trainer, most people would automatically get it. But also most people would probably assume that they know what I do when what I do is quite different. So functional movement specialist it is. So why does my story matter? Well, stories are powerful, but mostly I wanted to take you on my own journey of feeling like I was never doing enough, never strong enough, and always feeling like I was behind and how my relational with functional movement changed me. In reality, it is a huge tool in my own healing journey and not just physically. The peace and strength that I feel in my own skin at 36 is so drastically different from what I felt in my body at 26. And every year it keeps getting better. And that's a pretty different narrative than what we're generally told in most cultures. We're told that you need to be young and thin and athletic to feel that way. Then if that's true, it's easy to believe that it's not accessible to most of us simply because of our age or our body structure and so on. So I want to help combat that narrative for you. And the best way I know how is to tell you my story. So a little bit of background. I grew up athletic. I grew up as an athlete. My mom signed me up for the sport. So I was on the softball team. And I tried soccer and I tried all different kinds of sports. The ones I gravitated to the most and I spent most of my childhood doing was the swim team and gymnastics. So I I did love gymnastics. I thought it was fun. But then I basically reached an age where you're either going to go pro or you're going to just transition into wanting to live a life. And so I transitioned out of gymnastics probably when I was 12. And then I stuck with the swim team all the way through high school. I loved swim team. I thought it was super fun and just really an awesome uh, way to be athletic and to be somewhat competitive, but it's not just a team sport. It's individual and it just, I really enjoyed the swim team a lot. So, you know, in the summer, I'd always get my hair would turn green from the chlorine and I had strangers ask me if I was a swimmer because of my green hair and my shoulders. So, you know, that's one way to grow up. (laughs) So it's really interesting as an athlete, because if you don't go into competing in college, it kind of all comes to a screaming halt. And that's what happened for me. So I went into college and I wasn't going to be on my college didn't have a swim team. And so I just didn't do anything like I went but I transitioned to going to a gym so I didn't do any of my normal sports and movement really kind of lost its zing for me because it I grew up it was around community and it was around team building and it was around uh, developing a skill and so you have coaches who are really helping you become better at whatever it is the skill is that you're working on and so 
I joined a gym because that's what grownups do, right? So I would go to, I would, depending on when my schedule of work was, I'd either go before or after work and get my sweat on. And I didn't love it, but I did like how it made me feel. I still felt strong and capable. So I just stuck with that. And then I had a baby. <laughs> and guys, mother, it's no joke. And my personal story is I have always had um, a propensity towards struggling with depression. And so when postpartum hit, it hit hard. And I had severe postpartum depression with my first baby. And it basically put me into survival mode. Like I am going to keep this baby alive and I'm going to keep myself alive. And that's pretty much all I can manage. And it took me quite a while to work myself out of that funk. And I, I mean, motherhood hit hard and heavy though, because I had five pregnancies in six years. I had four full-term babies. So my oldest was five and a half when I had my youngest, um, the youngest of four. So they were all right in a row. Boom, boom, boom. So my body, I, I did not have any time to barely breathe in that six year time span, uh, much less think about working out or think about movement in any way, shape or form. And so I struggled real hard. A lot of you have heard my, my story of after I had my fourth, my body fell apart and I had the injuries of diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse. My sacroiliac joint would always act up and be really cranky, uh, neck and shoulder tension, chronic headaches. Like I just, I really struggled because I was like not even 30 yet. And I felt like I was just falling apart at the seams. And I think the, the old, just this idea that age was to blame. I felt old because that's the cultural narrative that we get told. Like you get old and fall apart. There's that saying, if you get old and fall apart. And so I felt like I'm already getting old and falling apart. And I'm like, just about to turn 30. Like, what's, what's the deal? Like, is it really going to be all downhill from here? Because I don't know if I can make it <laughs> very long. And so depression is coming along for the ride for most of this journey. And then I've got all this physical pain going on and anything connected to core and pelvic floor is really vulnerable. And it was, I was in a really very vulnerable place at that point in time. And so I did do my thing that I do, which is go into research mode because I do deep down always believe that problems can be solved. There has to be an answer. There has to be some way that I can hold out for hope. Like I just, at the end of the day, even with my depression, like I'm going to hold out for hope deep down for a relationship, for myself, for a situation. Like I am, I have enough optimism in me not to completely give up. So I started the journey of studying this idea of rehabilitative movement. So it wasn't going to a gym and working out, but it was, could I rehab my body through functional movement? And I found Katie Bowman of Nutritious Movement, and I found a whole bunch of my teachers who were teaching um, pain rehabilitation or injury rehabilitation, but using movement as a more rehabilitative thing. And that was new for me because I came more from an athletic place of like, movement is like, so you can do something better or be the fastest or be the strongest. And to 
transition to more of a functional idea, that was a little bit of a mindset shift for me. It was, it was, but it was good. And I just remember feeling this difference of before I started in functional movement, we, I think my youngest, probably six months old at the time, and we took all the kids to the beach. And we went on a walk at the beach. And I mean, one, I was just exhausted all the time because I also had adrenal issues as well. I mean, I was a literal basket case. But I remember going for a walk on the beach and there was this area with all these river rocks and the kids were loving it. And there was like some logs and some river rocks and there was a stream coming down that went into the ocean. And so the kids wanted to park it and play there because kids love like stacking rocks and playing in water. And so we hung out there and I remember walking around on these river rocks. And if you've ever been on river rocks, they shift a little bit underneath you. And they're kind of solid, but kind of not, depending on where you put your foot. And I remember this thinking, I am like, I caught myself thinking this. It popped into my head, the thought of I'm too old, I'm going to kill myself because I felt so unstable. And I, that thought flashed through my head. And I remember see, like almost looking at that thought, like seeing it and being like, why did I just think that? I'm like, I just turned 30, I believe. And I thought that's a really depressing thought to have at 30. Like I should be strong and functional. I shouldn't be thinking I'm about to kill myself on river rocks, like while my kids are playing. And that was around the time where I was starting to just get into studying this functional movement. And so we, the cool thing is the next year we went back to that same beach. So I've been working on this functional movement uh, in my own life, integrating little things. It was not huge. It did not you did not start like working out for an hour every day. Like I started with like five minute walks and a few gentle stretches that were very targeted for what I was um, trying to work on. And it slowly grew. But again, I'm combating depression. I'm combating my adrenal stuff. Like I did not have energy to do a whole lot right off the bat. So I felt, you know, when you're really close to something, it's hard to see the shift. It's hard to see any kind of growth or improvement. And we went back to that same beach a year later. And of course, the kids want to go back to that area with the river rocks because they were so cool. And I remember walking up and down on those river rocks and I felt so strong. I felt stable. I felt capable and I did not feel fragile. And that was one of my huge aha moments for me in my journey because I had that year long gap of working on this consistently. And what I felt like from my perspective, my very zoomed in perspective, was that I wasn't making very much progress at all. And then to have that dramatic shift of going from that thought involuntarily going through my head of I'm going to kill myself because I'm so, I said the word old, but I think what I meant was fragile. So old came into my head, but I believe that that was a cultural perspective that I had just kind of consumed unknowingly. And, but if I were to really analyze what I really truly felt was I felt fragile. And to then to go to that feeling of fragility to all of a sudden feeling capable and strong and in an uncertain environment, feel confident of my body and its skills and its ability to navigate the uncertainty of, because when you're stepping on river rocks, it's, I don't know if my foot's going to tip to the right or to the left, or if it's going to slip a little bit forward or a little bit back. Like there's just that uncertainty of not knowing exactly when you put your foot down what you're going to be interacting with and to feel really confident and stable there was really enlightening for me. And it 
kind of lit a fire in my belly of like, I am making progress and this is actually amazing. So I was able to transition over the next year after that. So I probably spent 18 months to two years on my rehab journey, going from feeling broken and fragile to feeling back to 100% and even better, of feeling strong and functional, of being able to lift and play with my boys with freedom, with being able to run down a sand dune without leaking, to be able to not have my pain dictate my life as far as I can't lift that, I can't move that way, I can't uh, interact with the world in a certain way because my body is uh, preventing me or putting limits on my ability to do whatever it was. Um, it was a pretty powerful transition for me and journey for me. And that's a big reason why I get super excited about talking about this because I feel like I got my life back. I feel like I went from being majorly depressed and feeling completely broken and betrayed by my body to feeling fully capable and free and joyful. And now my body isn't a hindrance, it's actually a gift. And to have that almost feels like a 180, um, everything from my feelings to my beliefs change about how I interact with the world and with my body. It's a pretty incredible journey to go on. So I was able to develop a relationship with my body where I chose to be sensitive to its signals rather than ignoring and desensitizing and disassociating. So when we struggle, I'll talk about me and then you can apply it to you if it resonates with you. When I was feeling a lot of pain and dysfunction, it was so much easier to, I am a very like tough it out type of person. Like I don't like to complain. I don't want to be a whiner. I grew up, my dad was in the military. And so it was just like, I didn't want to be a bother and I didn't want to be a whiner. And so a very just like tough it out type of um, attitude that I wanted to have. And so my body basically had to scream at me to get my attention, like pain wise. Like I, if I felt a little twinge, if I felt a little off, I, I'm like, I just, I'm fine. I'll like push it aside, brush it aside. And so And what I didn't realize when I was doing that is I was basically disassociating from my body and from its signals and from my own nervous system. And so when your body gives you those little signals and then we are either too busy or we're too zoned out. And, you know, that's why it's not my favorite thing when we do really hard workouts, you know, watching a TV show. And I'm raising my hand. I've done it. I've gone on the treadmill and been like, I want to log my five miles. And I know that my body will whine at me after a mile and a half. And so I want to just, you know, not do that, not, not, not have that conversation with my body. I just want to do the thing, do the five miles, get it over with. I know my body can do it. It's just going to have to, uh, I'm gonna have to suck it up and just push past it. And it's easier to just look at a screen. I have totally done that. But I have realized because of my journey, I also don't want to injure myself. And I realized that when I do the disassociation while I'm doing something intense, I am very easily, I just easily slipped back into that place of being able to blow past my boundaries and completely miss any little red flags that my body gives me and get into a place of like, wow, I just threw out my back. 
rather than, oh, there's a little tweak. I'm going to make an adjustment. So I think it's also dependent on personality, but for my personality especially, but and for anyone who is in the process of wanting to actually develop a relationship with their body where they are developing that sensitivity to those little nuanced signals, I don't recommend anything that is pushing us to disassociate and pushing us to um, zone out from feeling our own bodies. So that's that was a, a part of my journey as well, is learning not to desensitize. So I can't talk about my healing without, it's, it doesn't do a justice and it doesn't do my healing. The, it doesn't give it the credit that it really deserves without talking about my internal world, not just my physical world. So when I talk a lot about my healing, I do talk about the physical things. I talk about my diastasis recti closing. I talk about my pelvic organ prolapse healing. I talk about how my sacred iliac joint um, is a lot more stable and I have developed a really sensitive relationship with it where I can just get a tiny bit of a tweak and I know exactly what to do and I know how to move out of it and it doesn't uh, throw my back out. Basically, I'm, I'm able to move through it pretty quickly and those are, I mean, my headaches are gone. I haven't had a headache in a really long time, like the kind of chronic, nasty, my neck is thrown out type of headache. So there's just so many physical things that I've healed from. And it's amazing. And I love talking about it. But there's this internal world as well, where I had to confront my inner critic. I had to confront my driving perfectionism. I had to deal with my unacceptance of my body and its shape. I had to really deal with my all or nothing mentality. I had to sit with the belief that if it was something wasn't big, that it didn't matter, it wouldn't make a difference. I had to confront how I did or didn't value myself, my body, my emotional health, all of it. So I while I did go on this two-year journey of physical healing, that physical healing was not possible without the mental and the emotional healing that came along with it. And I, when I look back, I cannot, and they were so intertwined, I can't detangle them from each other. Like they went hand in hand with each other. So the physical work when I am walking on those rocks and I am feeling unstable and I am all of a sudden I have this I'm fragile and I am old moment, that was my inner world being played out through my how I was interacting with my physical world. And I was able to use physical movement to start making progress in my emotional and my psychological beliefs and fears. So when I talk about how holistic my healing was, I really am talking about as me as a whole being. And I love seeing how everything is connected. So for me, I, I was very boxy, like I wanted to work on my core and I wanted to do the core exercises so that my core could heal. And then I wanted to work on my pelvic floor and I wanted to do the pelvic floor rehab so that my pelvic floor could heal. And then what do I need to do for my neck? And like, I just, everything when I started and came to this work, everything was on its neat little box. And my depression was over here in this box way far away. And my self-image box was in another box on the other side and, and none of them touched. And sometimes I'd look in the boxes. So, you know, when pain would come out of those boxes and kind of, you know, get cranky at me, I'd open the box and, and dig around and try and deal with that box. And then 
if the box, you know, just stayed quiet, sometimes I'd just let it sit for a long time. And when I realized when I went on this movement journey to find healing, I realized everything was all in one box. And when I started, you know, making progress and when I started being brave enough to interact with whatever was in the box that I opened, I realized everything was in there. It wasn't, they weren't nearly as separate as I wanted them to be. And yet I felt like that was such a grace that they were all, that it wasn't set up the way I wanted it to be because I wanted to control and I wanted to, you know, produce an outcome. And yet we, our bodies being one cohesive unit really is a beautiful design. And I was, I'm so grateful that as I was able to go on this journey towards healing my pelvic floor and my core and the physical things that I wanted to heal, that so much emotional healing came along with it. So like I said, I want an 18 month to two year journey to heal. And I was able to, so as I've healed in all the ways, more than just the physical, I feel like I've actually gotten to know and honor myself. I now have a mode of communication with my body that I respect rather than try and run from or disassociate from. I feel so much more whole. I've learned and I am learning to speak life and hope over my beliefs, my situations, my body, my healing journey, rather than demanding outcomes or giving up. So I know the question that comes up is, that's great for you, Erin, but how did you do it? Most people want to know the how. So Believing you're worthy of understanding and studying something, especially your own body, is a really powerful mind shift. So functional movement isn't just about jumping onto your mat and copying some exercises from a coach. It's about understanding not everything. You don't have to understand your entire body and all the little bits of anatomy. But when you recruit your body to get a job done, and noticing your normal and being willing to make small shifts and then celebrating those small shifts instead of eye rolling over how overly simple they may seem. And I'm raising my hand over here as an expert eye roller, okay? (laughs) Now, if you're wired like me, you're going to be wanting some more specific guidance on some practical steps you can start to take to really feel your body. Practice embodiment and functional movement and starting with some simple shifts that have incredible results. So I'd love to invite you to my free one-hour online workshop that I'm holding just for you. So understanding how to support yourself while you're attending a birth or even driving your car to see a client or utilizing the time that you're already working to pay attention and to support your body is so powerful. So I'd love to have you join me for the three powerful movement habits for birth workers workshop. We'll do a little bit of anatomy education because we want to understand. And then we're going to move together because we want to put what we learn into action. And then I'll be doing a short Q&A at the end in case any questions come up. So bring your questions. It's going to be quick, effective, and super fun. And yes, there will be a replay because I totally understand the on-call life and it's really hard sometimes when you schedule something to guarantee that you will be there. So I'm excited to have you join me either July 16th or July 22nd. It's the same workshop, but just two different time options. Come on over to thethrivingbirthworker.com and you can find the link to register under today's show notes. I'm also excited to announce the launch of the Thriving Birthworker Movement Method course. 
This is a step-by-step course that I have been designing over a year now to support both your physical body and your nervous system. It's a holistic and practical approach to movement and self-care. It's also accredited for 11 continued education hours through MEAC, which also Dona recognizes and accepts as well for my American listeners. This is a powerful place to start supporting your body, building strength for a sustainable and a long-term career. So it takes the decision fatigue out of movement and trains you on how to integrate these practical knowledge and strength into your everyday life, leaving you feeling strong and resilient. So I'd love to welcome you into the course. You can find out more about that in the link of the show notes in today's episode as well under the thrivingbirthworker.com. So some really practical steps that you can take that are simple and powerful. So mindful breathing. Again, I'm going to say this. Some of these things that I'm giving you, these ideas, are going to seem very, very simple. And that's a huge part of the mindset shifting that is included in functional movement work. It's celebrating these tiny shifts rather than needing everything to seem like a whole 180 degree change. So I'm also going to link to a psoas release video. The psoas is our fight or flight muscle and providing it with a supportive environment can have a huge whole body impact. So psoas releases are really practical and powerful steps that you can take. Standing on the ground barefoot. So allowing the earth's electromagnetic field to soothe your nervous system. Five minutes of gentle stretching before bed without any distractions. All of these are things are counteracting that disassociating from our bodies that is so easy to fall into and are to our busy lives. So experience and being in our bodies is the beginning of healing. So that is my journey. And that is why I'm a functional movement specialist. That's why I talk about feeling joy and at home in your own skin as you build strength and function. Your body is amazing, and I love providing you with the tools you need to provide it with the support and the love that it deserves. So how about you? I would love to hear how you practice mindfulness in and with your body. And again, if you're wanting to join a community workshop where we dig into this work together, I would love to have you join me for my free upcoming online workshop. This is your weekly reminder from me that you matter. Your body matters. Your emotional health matters. Self-care is not selfish. You deserve to feel at home and at peace in your own skin. I'm so grateful to come alongside in this amazing community and support you while you support the birthing community. I raise my glass of iced tea to you and your thriving birth worker life. Cheering you on and excited to connect soon. Bye for now. The information and discussion provided on this podcast are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, you should consult with an appropriately licensed physician or healthcare provider.